welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 17th of September 2017, entitled The Christian Life, A Life of Perspective. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to chapter 2, verse 10. Here's Brother Paul Arrowsmith. Well, very good morning to each one. It's good to see each of you. I see smiling faces out there. I see people awake. I need to, up there, yeah, my wife's sort of just giving me smoke signals. <laughs> Bless the Lord for Maureen. And, and for each of you, you know. That might sound like favouritism, but she is my wife. <laughs> and I do thank God for my wife, and I do thank God for uh, the brethren and the sistren, which is a, an invented word, sistren. Um, but I do thank God for each one. And... Uh, yeah, let's, shall we have a word of prayer before we make a start? Our Father in heaven, just thank you that we can be here with one another in your presence to be able to worship you, to be able to fellowship, to be able to give our attention to your precious holy word. Oh, Father, what would it be like to try to live the Christian life without the word of God? Oh, we just can't imagine but thank you for your word. Oh, Father, we pray you'd help us to not just appreciate it and love it, but to dig into it, to study it, to read it, to feed on it day by day. And, Father, as we, as we meet now, pray your word will be especially precious to us. And, dear Lord, that you would uh, just, as you look into our hearts and see our needs, our conditions, our hopes, our aspirations, perhaps our difficulties, our trials, things that really get to us and those things which uh, just perhaps distract us as well. But Father, we pray you'd just open our hearts to yourself, open your, your word to us, that, Lord, we might just connect with you and that when we leave from here, we'll be that little bit different because we've met with you and you've met with us. Oh, Father, we pray. So we thank you now. Look forward to what we're going to discover in your word this morning. In Jesus' most precious and honoured name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your scriptures, uh, you'll see from the notices that we are in Ephesians. We'll be going from the middle of the first chapter to the middle of the second chapter. You might think that's a little bit unusual, but that's what we're doing. Of course, when the scriptures were written uh, originally, uh, they were not broken into chapters and verses, but we thank the Lord for those who have uh, set them out in chapters and verses because it makes it really helpful to us to be able to find our way. Um, but our subject this morning is the Christian life. Uh, last time uh, I was with you, we were looking at the Christian life, a life of appreciation, uh, a life of appreciation, a life of thanksgiving. But today we're looking at the Christian life, a life of perspective. And God willing, uh, next month, um, on my last visit to take the service while uh, Pastor Larry and Jane are away, uh, we will be looking at the Christian life, a life of opportunity. You see there's a P there, appreciation, perspective, opportunity. That's, that's the, the progression that we're looking at. But today, the Christian life as a life of perspective. Well, 
when you think about life, what comes to mind? Uh, I heard recently someone said, life is what happens when you're making other plans. That sounds really clever, doesn't it? Um, another one was, one life, live it. I see the back, that on the back of Land Rovers, one life, live it. Well, of course, our life here isn't the end of matters because there is a hereafter. Uh, here's one that I rather liked when I was uh, looking for a third <laughs> little phrase to share with you um, on the internet. Life is short. Smile while you have teeth. <laughs> I thought that was beautiful. Oh, <laughs> you like that one. Very good. Great. Uh, some of us have already passed that point, haven't we? But yeah, we can still smile. When you think about life, what comes to mind? Perhaps it's none of the above. Perhaps it's none of those that we mentioned. Well, we're going to have a look, thinking about life, the Christian life, a life of perspective. If you have your scriptures there at Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, we'll go from verse 15 uh, through to uh, chapter 2, verse 10. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. And um, I'll just, in a little while, after I've read it, we will pick up on what we've missed in the first 14 verses. So just three little things to say on that. But as you notice, we're sort of coming in in the middle, but that's just so that we, we can look at the, the part of Scripture that I want us to focus on. So first, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, coming in at verse 15. Wherefore, Paul says the Christians at Ephesus. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us or toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come, in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet. This is speaking of uh, Jesus, and uh, God has, the Father has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of of him that fills, filleth all in all. Chapter 2, verse 1, And you, speaking to the believers at Ephesus, and you hath he quickened, that is, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, that is our manner of life, in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. 
But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's quite a lot there, and we won't be able to dig in all the way through on everything. Uh, we'd be here for quite a long time. We'd be actually it would probably be a whole series if we did that. But we do want to look at it from the perspective, from the point of view of the Christian life, a life of perspective. Now, some background. Paul had spent around three years ministering to the young church in Ephesus. And he was now in Rome. He was a prisoner for the sake of the gospel. And he writes, he's writing to the Ephesian believers. You might say, well, when was this? When, when was he writing? Well, it was about 60 to 62 AD. It was during that period. And what did we miss by not reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14? Well, Paul gave uh, three reasons why God had chosen the people of Christ in him, as in Christ before the foundation of the world. And I want you to notice the word that that keeps cropping up. If we look uh, at uh, verse 4, I'll just say in verse 4, just to quickly summarise, verse 4, we have our new nature. Verses 10 to 11, our new family and inheritance. And verse 12, our new focus. So verse 4, just reading there in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him, as the Father hath chosen us in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We have this new nature. We have this new nature uh, that, that we are united with the nature of Christ, that, that uh, we share his nature of holiness. Now, we're not perfect. We know that. But we have a, a nature that desires to, uh, to please God. And we, we, we have that, uh, that desire. And to live, with, uh, live without blame before him in love. So we have this new nature. And in verses 10 to 11... Uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own, of his own will. So we see that, uh, that reference in there to all things which are in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in on earth of course we're here on earth but there are those who have gone ahead of us to be in heaven with our lord jesus and so we have a new family some of some of us are here and some of us are there and some of us are spread around the world but we have a new a new family and of course in christ we have a great inheritance which we also saw there in those verses um, and verse 12 uh, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And that's a new focus, isn't it? Our focus is our focus is to praise him. 
We want him lifted up. We want him glorified in our lives. So three reasons why God had chosen the people of Christ, his purpose for us and what he would do in us and the inheritance uh, that he would have for us. So just skipping through those quickly. But verses 15 to 16, where we started in our passage earlier, we see uh, a personal note from Paul. A personal note. Isn't it always lovely to have a personal note? It's a wonderful thing to look at the big picture. It's a wonderful thing to have great encouragement to all of us, great challenge to all of us. But here's a, a lovely little personal note that we see in verses 15 and 16. Uh, Paul says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, speaking to the, these believers at Ephesus, uh, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints, what God has done in your hearts, what God has done in your lives, how he's changed you, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And, and, and Paul can't just help, he can't help himself. He's so thankful to God for what God has done in the believers at Ephesus. He's thankful for their faith. He's thankful for their faith in the Lord Jesus. And he's thankful for that love which God has put in their hearts towards his, their fellow believers. The saints, saints are just other believers. We set apart from everything else to, to live for God. <clears throat> and it moved him, didn't it? That news had reached him and it had moved him. Uh, hence, he, he had a, a heart of prayer and thankfulness to God for them. Well, we've, we've, we've looked there at... Uh, uh, the background to the passage. We've looked at those earlier verses that we, we didn't uh, spend a lot of time in, that we didn't read, um, but and we looked at Paul's personal note, uh, how he's so thankful for what God has done in the lives of, of these believers that he's writing to. And now I want to come to the theme that, that we're considering today, the Christian life, a life of perspective. The Christian life... <clears throat> Uh, should we say Christian perspective looks actually backwards, looks backwards to what God did when he created the universe, our planet, when he created life on our planet, when he created people. If we look just toward the end of um, uh, the passage that we saw in, in chapter 2, we read this, for we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. God made us. We're not here by chance. It wasn't a whole series of amazing accidents that somehow all happened on this planet. But we are his workmanship. Now, in fact, the, the passage speaks primarily of God's workmanship in the lives of believers, what we are to accomplish in Christ, what he has ordained for us to achieve, to accomplish as Christians for his glory, um, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, that's the main purpose of that verse. But, you know, for God to work in and through his people, through in and through you and me, first of all, he's got to bring you and me into existence. And, and so we, we, we look back to creation. Some other verses that we read in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 16 to 17, Paul writing to the believers at Colossae, uh, says of our Lord Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. 
Amazing, amazing. The position of our Lord Jesus Christ in relation to creation. And uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, remember the scripture says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, set it apart. Yes, in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. Why did he take so long? Why did he take six days? He spoke it into existence. He's the mighty God. He could have done it far quicker than that. But he wanted to set a pattern so that one day in seven we would set aside so that we could worship him. And then Psalm 139 verse 14. We see David uh, just expressing that, that what's in his heart, what God's put in his heart. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul uh, knoweth right well. The, the, right from within me, I can recognise, oh Lord God, uh, that I'm just amazingly created amazingly created we have so many people trying to explain away how amazingly we're created um, but uh, you know I came across a reading a copy of our daily bread from 2008 it was probably in 2009 by the time I picked it up and read it I tend to be a little bit behind with uh, uh, when, I, when I get into that particular uh, devotional but uh, one of the writers uh, by the name of Chek Fang Haya Chek Fang Haya he probably doesn't translate pronounce it that way and I'm never quite sure with with oriental names whether the whether you say hi check or whether you go by the last name hi hi <laughs> uh, but anyway that was his name that's his name and he said this the one who created the universe out of nothing has a history of accomplishing the impossible isn't that wonderful isn't that wonderful the one who created this universe out of nothing has a history of accomplishing the impossible and if you uh, if you want to know some of the things that god has done that's impossible just pick up your bible and read it just study it and here's one from christian uh, creation ministries international an article which was headed the human body god's masterpiece this little statement this little quotation the control center of the human body is the human brain it is by far the most complex information management system in the universe. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? That's right, isn't it? It's the most complex information management system in the universe. If the human body wasn't so highly organised, if it wasn't so wonderfully arranged, and if it wasn't controlled by such an amazingly advanced information processing system, you and I couldn't live couldn't live we couldn't breathe we couldn't move we couldn't communicate with each other and we couldn't have children we, there wouldn't be an, another generation the first generation would be the last generation but god knows what he did he knew what he was doing when he created us the christian life it's a life of perspective it's a life that makes sense of reality it's a life that recognizes that we're created and as concerns believers we're created for an eternally significant purpose doesn't that thrill you we're created for an eternally significant purpose and that purpose is all about our savior it's no small thing someone said and this is another quote that i heard recently and i thought oh, i like this one too oh it's a wonderful one this is it's no small thing to be 
on friendship terms with the creator of the universe. Wow. Wow. It's no small thing to be on friendship terms with the creator of the universe. So we've considered a Christian perspective looks back to creation. A Christian perspective also sees where I stand in an ongoing conflict. Do you ever, do you ever sort of feel you're in a conflict? Do you ever feel you're in a conflict? I think, you know, probably so many people in life feel themselves in a conflict. But, you know, there is a particular conflict. There is a, there is a conflict which uh, is, is, is of cosmic proportions. It's of worldwide proportions. It's of, it looks at the, uh, you know, throughout history. Um, I'll just say this first, though. Uh, this is a quote from uh, Pastor Chip Ingram, uh, who I don't know personally. Um, but uh, he said this. He said, show me your friends. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You know, we, we, we hang around with those who are of the same mind as us. You know, that's why so many people don't want to come to church. They don't want to be with their friends, doing other things. But are we here because we want to be with God's people? Are we here because we want to hear from the word of God? Are we here because we want God to change us? I trust that's the case for each one of us. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And then Pastor, Pastor Adrian Rogers, he's with the Lord now, uh, some years back, he said, we're not only known by the friends we make, but also by the enemies we make. Have you ever watched a drama where the, the, a main character is just oblivious to a very dangerous enemy who is, who is also part of the cast? Or that, that, uh, that main character may, may even see that dangerous enemy as uh, their ways as attractive. And you're thinking to yourself, how can you see? It's obvious, surely it's obvious that, that, this, that this character presents a threat to you, that this character is not on your side, that this character is only going to hurt you, is only going to try and trip you up, is only going to try and make a mess of your life. They want to put you down. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? And why would you, why would you see those ways as attractive? Well, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, we were just looking at earlier, um, speaks uh, verses 1 to 3, they, they speak of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Reference to Satan, reference to our enemy, reference to the enemy of Christ. In fact, if we read the, the verses, uh, three verses um, through, and you, uh, Paul says to the believers at Ephesus, you have he quickened, that is, you have he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, okay, among whom also we all had our conversation, our manner of life in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And he's saying, look, isn't it wonderful? That's what you were. That's what so many are, but, but you, God has taken you and he has changed you. He has brought you to himself. He has done a wonderful work in you so that now you're a friend of God. Now you belong to him. Now you've got that new nature. What were we saying earlier? You've got that new nature. You've got that new inheritance. You've got that new family. You've got that new focus. There's been a big change, a big change inside you and it affects all of your life. And the change that God accomplishes in each of our lives is intended to be something that changes every aspect of our lives. Well, what else can we know about Satan and those who side with him? 
Well, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He, do, he wants to trip you up. He wants to spoil your life. He wants to, to mess up your relationship with the living God. Uh, he wants to just, yeah, he, his will for you is, is the opposite of God's will for you. Well, what was it like to be a Christian facing persecution by the Roman Empire back in Paul's day? You know, when Nero was on the throne or, or some of the others who were really so unfriendly to believers. Uh, what was it like to be a Christian facing persecution uh, by the Roman Empire or later by uh, false but powerful so-called church authorities claiming to be the one true mother church? Or in our day, what's it like to be facing persecution uh, by other competing religions? Those that are entrenched in their opposition to the gospel, entrenched in their opposition to the gospel of Christ, and in their hatred of those who convert from, if you like, the mainstream religion to follow Christ as Saviour and Lord. What's it like? Well, if you, um, if you ever have a look at uh, material from Barnabas Fund uh, or Christian Solidarity Worldwide or The Voice of the Martyrs, uh, any of those sort of materials, as others as well, those ministries, those ministries that seek to reach out and help believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are living in lands where the persecution is tremendous. You know, our hearts go out to them and our prayers should be lifted up for them as well. But what was it like, what is it like to be facing, uh, Christians facing persecution in such circumstances? And again, uh, as today in the West, a different situation to be, for instance, a politician, a, univers a university lecturer, or maybe a scientist with the courage to openly acknowledge God as creator, the Bible as his reliable word, abortion as the killing of uh, human life, a genuine marriage as only for one man and one woman, or sexual activity outside a genuine marriage as being sinful. You know, our culture, our culture goes against these, these truths, these foundational truths, these essential truths, and that our culture makes it difficult for a believer who says, hang on, this is what I believe. I believe the word of God. You can't believe the, You can't believe those things. You're not allowed to believe those things today. But I do. But I do. We, you know, it can be a difficult thing to just stand true to the word of God, even in our day, in our nation, in the sorts of uh, jobs and situations that, that you and I can find ourselves in. Our enemy still uses false religion in his hate campaign against God against God's word and against God's people. And he still uses the culture of the day for this purpose. And increasingly today, he also uses something that has been called political correctness. Well, how far have any of us let him persuade or pressure us to step away from our saviour, to step away from our love for him, to step away from serving him and being faithful to him? Well, perhaps you're thinking, well, do you know, I could do with a word of encouragement. You've set these things out. I think I need a bit of encouragement and I need, need to know where to find it. Okay, here we are. Where do we go for encouragement? Where do we go for encouragement? Yes, we meet together uh, in, in church um, and we pray 
But you know, for encouragement as well, we need the word of God. And here we are. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater, who, who is it that's in you? If you're a Christian, the spirit of God indwells you. The saviour is your Lord. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is in the world? We're speaking of the enemy of God, of course, speaking of Satan. You think, I like that verse. I want to be able to remember that verse that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Where can I find it? Where can I find it? Well, if you want to look it up, if you want to read it again sometime, it's 1 John 4, verse 4. 1 John 4, verse 4. Here's another one. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. And that, yep, that's James chapter 4, verse 7. And of course, Satan, when he flees from you, it's only going to be for a season because he wants to keep coming back. But we can, we, we can uh, take the truth of that word of God, we can submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil, we can, and he will flee from you. And if he comes back again, we just say, Lord, am I submitted to you? Let's do that again. Let's resubmit myself uh, to you, Lord, and I'll resist the devil and he'll flee from me again. And here's just uh, one other, and this is from, uh, from Ephesians. It's a bit further on. It's from chapter 6, and it's verse 13. Take unto you the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Take unto you the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And what is that armour of God? It's the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It's the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to be prepared to take the gospel to others who don't have that peace of God. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. It's the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And it's perseverant prayer. Perseverant prayer. A Christian perspective recognises we face an enemy, that he can cause us trouble, but that in obedience to our Lord we can withstand him and that we can finish still standing we can finish still standing well there we are a christian perspective looks back to creation a christian perspective sees where i stand in an ongoing conflict and my third my last point is this a christian perspective looks ahead now this is really good news okay can you stand a bit of good news are you ready for a bit of good news we've looked back and said yeah that's, that's, we need to have that understanding. We've looked at, at, at today and the conflict that's going on. Yeah, I need to be ready. I need to be strong. I need to be prepared. And I need to be looking to the Lord and submitted to him. Right, but now we're looking ahead, aren't we? And we're looking uh, to see that a Christian perspective looks ahead to the promised consummation. To the promised consummation. Um, who wrote All's Well That Ends Well? If you, uh, if, if you studied... Um, uh, uh, literature, English literature at school, you'd probably shoot your hand up and say, I oh, know, sir, yeah, no, I know who that is. I know who that is. Well, I didn't, so I had to look it up. According to Google, according to Google, it was William Shakespeare in 1601, but he actually picked up the phrase from somebody else uh, who came along before. Who wrote All's Well That Ends Well? All's Well That Ends Well. A lot of people look at the world and say, it doesn't look like it's going to end well. It doesn't look like things are going to end well. And we know from the word of God that there's some pretty awful things that are going to happen before our Saviour comes to take us back to himself. Perhaps you've heard someone say, I just don't know what the world's coming to. People say that sometimes, don't they? I just don't know what the world's coming to. Oh, I just, ah, oh, I 
don't know how I'm going to cope. Oh, look at how things are. I just seem to be getting worse. Mm. It's coming to the day when, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's from Philippians 2, verses 10 to 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. It should bow and it will bow. And every tongue should and will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's going to be to the glory of God, his Father, our Father in Christ. Well, how exciting is that? How exciting is that? Or is it a really fearful prospect? You know, to some people, I say, oh, I really don't want to be in that situation. I, I don't want to be have to, have to bow down to Christ. I don't want to have to confess him as Lord because I don't love him. He doesn't mean anything to me. I couldn't care less. That's what people's, some people's hearts are like, you know. When you get right down and you look at it and you look in the crevices and right there in the centre, that's what they're saying. That's what their heart is. But for those of us who have put our trust in Christ, for those of us who have said, oh, yes, Lord, I see what you've done for me. I'm just so thankful for what you've done on the cross, dying for my sins. You were sinless. You had no sins to die for. But you took that sin, that judgment upon yourself because you love me and we love, we love him because he first loved us. And so it's an exciting prospect to one day see Christ, be with him. And uh, already we name the name of Jesus. Uh, at his name we bow. We confess. We're doing that already. It's no problem. That's what we want to do. We want to worship him. We want to honour him. And for the person who surrenders to Christ as Lord in this life, our passage has the most amazing news. Now, I'm going to ask you this. You've got to think about this, okay? If you've just been relaxing a bit, and you think, oh, so I'm quite comfortable in this chair. It's a lovely chair, this is. And it's a nice temperature and there's nice people around. And maybe if your mind's just been wafting away a little bit I'm going to bring you back so I've got a little challenge for you now alright little challenge for you now I'm not going to ask you to tell me anything but just to think we're going to read again Ephesians 1 15 to 23 and here's my question for you how would you summarise how would you summarise this okay Ephesians 1 15 to 23 wherefore Paul says I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Paul's getting excited, isn't he? Even as he's saying, this is what I pray for you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to, to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. <sighs> you know, he just, he just wants to, oh, you know, there's so much here, there's so much. Okay, all right, how would you summarise that? Go on, how would you summarise that? Think about it. Is that a bit of a challenge? Well... I've had a go. I've had a go. I'll share with you what I've come with. Our future in this life and eternity is wonderfully linked to the life of our Saviour. And we don't have to be in the dark about what this involves. Would that do? Would that do? That, I think that's probably it. In, it, it just in a nutshell. Our future in this life and, eter and in eternity 
as Christians is wonderfully linked to the life of our Saviour. And we don't have to be in the dark about what this involves. I wonder if you notice these words. As far as this life is concerned, the words wisdom and the word hope. And as far as the next life is concerned, the word raised, inheritance, fullness, glory. It's a real bore being a Christian, isn't it? We've got nothing to look forward to, have we? Yes, we do, don't we? We really, really do. If I mention the name Corrie ten Boom, Corrie ten Boom, perhaps you'd know that she was a, a Christian who um, found herself in a Nazi concentration camp. And she was a survivor. Uh, she came out of that concentration camp when many others didn't. And she said this, the best is yet to come when we see Jesus face to face. The best is yet to come when we see Jesus face to face. Is that how you feel when you, when you read these scriptures? Is that how you feel? Yes, the best is yet to come. Look at all this I've got to look forward to. Isn't it wonderful? Look what God's doing. Look what he's done. And, 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 and look what my future is in Christ. Yes, I can recognise my creator. I owe him everything. I save him, my Lord. And yes, there's a battle to go on. and I'm, I'm, I'm belong to him. My, my colours are nailed to the mast. I want everybody to know who I belong to, and I don't want to be ashamed of serving him. I don't want to be ashamed of speaking for him. I want him to give me that strength and that enablement and that courage to go forward and live for him. And look what I've got to look forward to. Tremendous. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, I'm going to do this to you again. Here we go. Still got just a little bit of time. Do this to you again. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. How are you going to summarise? As we read it, just think about it. How are you going to summarise it? And you has he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our manner of life in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, made us alive together. With Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by faith are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay, how did you do? You got a summary of that? Have you got a summary of that? You know, in fairness, I spent a while. I, I, I had more time than I've given to you to, to try and just, just to summarise it and to put it in a nutshell. Here's, here's my, uh, my attempt. Following our own sinful ways, we were once dead to God, deceived and disobedient toward him, just like most other people. But God, because of his great love, his mercy and his grace, has made us alive in Christ, giving us a home in heaven to look forward to and a distinctive, purposeful life to live out until then. Until then. Well, a Christian perspective sees the big picture. Uh, the privilege of a life lived now for the Saviour we love. 
and then a life lived together with him in glory for all eternity. All right, we've got right towards the end now, but I've got an illustration, just a little illustration, but I'll just say this first. The creation, there's a conflict, and there's a future consummation. The Christian life is a life with a clear perspective. I recently heard about an atheist in Finland. Do you, do you know many atheists? Oh, I probably do. I've got a lovely uh, relative, my wife's cousin's husband, uh, lovely guy. He, he's an atheist. I love him to bits, you know, I do. I, I, I just want to see him come to Christ. I really want to see him come to Christ. But, you know, we probably all have atheists that we come across. But do you know many people from Finland? Have you ever been to Finland? I've never been to Finland. But this is about an atheist in Finland. Right. He, he had his will written up. Okay. What, what's going to happen with your farm, with all what you've got, when you've gone? His will stated that he wanted to leave his farm. Can you believe this? He wanted to leave his farm to the devil. He wanted to leave his farm to the devil. And you're thinking to yourself, he must be having a laugh. He must be having a joke. This can't be serious. But that's what he did. In his will, he stated that he wanted to leave his farm to the devil. After he died, just imagine now, this matter goes to court. A court has to decide what to actually do with the farm. Now, you're a judge, right? And you say, you're asking me to do what? You're asking me to, to give a, a, a decision on what's going to happen with this farm of this man, belong to this man who was an atheist and he wanted to leave his farm to the devil. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine the, 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 the judge scratching his head? How can, how can I fulfil the, 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 this will of this man? Well, after some consideration, it was decided. The court decided, the judge decided to do nothing. Hang on a minute. How can that be right? To do nothing. So the property was simply left alone. And the weeds grew and they took over. The fences deteriorated. They fell apart. The building did the same. Just as the court decided the best way to let the devil take possession of the farm was to do nothing... So it is in life. So it is with a life. If you say, well, you know, I've heard everything you've had to say. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, but no, nah, it's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect me. I'm not going to change. Perhaps you're not a Christian and you say, I'm not going to come to Christ. Yeah, I understand that he died on the cross for my sins and he rose again and he's alive and... And he's done all these things in, in, in that early church and he's been, he's been active throughout history. And, yeah, you've given me the big picture from way back then to way... And I can see it, yeah. I'm sorry, aren't I? I'll live today, mate. You know, I'll just live a day at a time. I'll just live for whatever's happening today and I've got things I like to do. And, so, and you think, how can you not see that you need to come to Christ? But you, you, you perhaps just say, oh, I'm just going to do nothing. I'm just going to do nothing. How wise is that? not is it it's not maybe you're a christian you think oh you know i've not really been living for the lord i've not been putting him first in my life i've not been seeking to win others to him i'm not trying to be not not come to church looking to encourage fellow believers to get alongside them i'm not looking out for anyone who sort of needs a, a bit of help in life I, I'm, I'm, you know i don't see myself as an ambassador for christ i don't see myself as someone who really needs to get serious about these things well i haven't until now i think i need to you know, 
I hope you're not thinking, well, we're just going to do nothing. You know, we all have a choice. We can say, I'm going to do nothing. Or we're going to say, yeah, I'm, I, this speaks to my heart. This speaks to me. Well, uh, we've seen from God's word this morning that it doesn't have to be your story to do nothing. You know, you, you don't have to be that person who does nothing. You can be the person who says, I'm going to take God seriously. And from now on, I'm going to look to him and I'm going to be, I'm going to be praying to him. And I'm going to be asking him. Well, before you leave the building, why not look to the Lord Jesus Christ? Why not thank him for the opportunity of this morning? You know, his word, his word. I don't know, can you honestly say God's not spoken to your mind and he's not spoken to your heart? Can you honestly say that? And if he has, you know, we're responsible to him. And he wants what's best for us. And that's why God sent his son to be our saviour. But, you know, we live at a point in history, we live at a place in history, but we also live with eternity wrapped all around. And you, the best word, if you're going to put it all, just in one word, in just one word, what's the word that you're going to say to, to the Lord? It's going to be no or it's going to be yes. If you say maybe, that's no. If, that's, if you say maybe, that's no. Will you say yes to, to the Lord? Will you say yes, Lord God, thank you for Jesus? Yes, Lord God, I want this risen saviour to be my risen saviour. And Lord, I want you to just be taking me day by day, moment by moment, through the rest of my life, living for you, so that I can accomplish your purposes in my life to the blessing of others, the blessing of my loved ones, and to the blessing of others beyond them. Would you say that? In Jesus' name, God bless you.